I've heard it. You've heard it. It's time for a new beginning. Time to start a fresh page or paint a new picture with our life. Sounds great, in theory, but it can seem impossible. Life is messy. The lines have gotten blurred. Maybe we just don't know where to start. We look at the canvas of our lives and see mistake after mistake after mistake. It's overwhelming. When I look at my life with these messy lines and scribbles, it makes me think, is this as good as it gets? There's no eraser that can make this life make sense. But what if? What if there was someone that could make sense of our mess? They could take all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our missed opportunities, and make them into a masterpiece. And then I remember, there is Jesus. He gives us a new life. Every day is new. Every day is a blank canvas full of possibility and promise. He takes our canvases, our lives that have been filled up with shortcomings, secrets, tragedies, and embarrassments, and he helps them make sense. When I look at the canvas of my life and I see nothing but disorder and chaos, I have to remember this. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. And you know what? He wants to take my hand and bring peace to the canvas of my life. So as we seek to make our mark, let us give God all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our hurts, and trust that he will turn our messy lives into a masterpiece, his masterpiece. Good morning, church. Man, isn't it awesome that God makes our lives right? Takes our mistakes, our mess-ups, our guilt, and throws them as far away from us as we could possibly get. I, I love the fact that God loves us. He's done so much for us, church, and we get to lean into that story over the next uh, few weeks as we dig into this idea called Graceland. It's a brand new series that we're going to begin, and it has nothing to do with Elvis. Thank you very much. We're going to unpack the idea of grace and what that means for you and for me in our life, how we can really understand and experience grace in our life. What does it mean that God loves us so much that he gave us his son? And what does that mean for us in our life as we think about how we have fallen down, how we messed up, how we've got those scribbles going on in our life and our past? We carry those with us, but God says, I loved you so much that I've given my son for you. And because of that, Everything is wiped clean. You can start brand new. You can be a brand new creation. I'll make all things new in your life. You know, Webster Dictionary, the first of every year, they put new words in the dictionary. Uh, this year in 2018, they put in 850 new words. You can look those up. We're not going to go through all of those this morning. But I thought to kind of get our gears rolling as we think about a word in new and fresh ways, I would kind of start us out by 
by throwing three or four new words that have entered the dictionary as of this year. And here's the first one, Chawini. It's a Chihuahua and Dachshund mix. Brand new breed, I guess, that's officially official. Somebody looked at this picture this morning and said, that looks like a rat. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not a big dog fan, but that is a pretty cute puppy. The second word is called glamping, and I don't know how many outdoors folks we have out there. But if you like to go camping, but you're not sure about getting down in the muck and the mire, crawling in and out of a tent uh, on a rain, I mean, this is the way to do it, I'm thinking. I mean, you've got the, you got the AC units, you've got the high bed off the ground, you've got the refrigerator, lots of lighting, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, some of us would like to do that, be okay with that, probably, my guess would be. Uh, kind of a derogatory word is mansplain that's been put in. Uh, it's like explain, but a guy explaining in a condescending way, typically to a female, unfortunately, how things are to be. Now, what we don't know in the process is that's going to come back tenfold on us <laughs> if we go that direction. And the last one is cryptocurrency. You've probably seen this on the news, Bitcoin. It's not actual real money. It's just digital currency. So you've, you're going to see those in sentences and, and in structure and in the news, etc., as you go forward because they are officially in the dictionary. Well, what I want to do over the next four weeks is for us to investigate grace as if it is a brand new word for you and for me. Everything that you've ever thought about grace, known about grace, however you felt about grace, I want you to kind of put that aside just for a little while and, and look at grace through some brand new eyes through a brand new feeling in your heart. As we begin to unpack scripture and better understand and wrap our hands around what grace is for you and for me, it's so incredibly important that we get this concept. The writer of Hebrews lets us know that God tells us that no one should miss grace. Nobody. That God wants his entire creation understanding the love that he has for us through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, and that tomb is empty that we celebrated last week, and he reigns at the right hand of God Almighty. We are excited to follow a risen Savior, are we not? I mean, we have a blessed life more than anybody else on the face of the earth because we have a Savior who loves us, and we want to better understand grace but it's difficult to talk about grace without talking about sin. That's where we're going to start this morning in this next four-week series. We want to kind of unpack what that means for us. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5 here in just a little bit. I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. We'll look at another text in John chapter 8. But as we begin to unpack this treaty that Paul writes about grace, what does it mean? It's the most complete letter that Paul has for us on what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does God's love through his son Jesus Christ mean for you and for me? And Paul has that in this beautiful letter written to the church at Rome. You see, I, I don't know how you talk about Jesus being your savior unless you know what you have been saved from. You and I talk about a risen Savior often. We talk about Jesus Christ being our personal Savior. But sometimes we, we fail to talk about why we need a Savior. I mean, Paul states in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For everyone 
has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single person in this room has sin in their life. No one is perfect, no, not one. And we all need God's grace through Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us. Now, you, you and I may, may say, yeah, I, I know, I've got sin in my life. But I'm not nearly as gossipy as the lady back here in this corner. I, I'm not nearly as bad as the guy over here in this area. I'm not nearly as bad as those folks who are locked up in jail in the penitentiary. I'm not nearly as bad as the person I saw pulled over on the side of the road getting a speeding ticket this morning. And we compare and contrast our sin with other people rather than acknowledging that we need a Savior. You see, what we don't understand is in that moment of comparison, we're already committing sin. It's called pride and self-righteousness. I'm a little bit better than you. And if that's where you find yourself, then you've already discovered that you have sin in your life. Sometimes it's difficult for us to stop and look at the sin in our life. It's ugly. And we realize maybe if I stop and slow down and really understand that I need a Savior, it's going to create a a moment in me to realize I'm going to have to change some things. I'm going to have to actually transform the way I think and do some things. If you're anything like me, thinking about getting in shape, most of us may think, you know, I, I really need to do something better to get in shape. But, you know, me personally, I enjoy sitting on the couch late at night going through a bag of Oreos. That's really good. (laughs) Can I get an amen? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not alone. But you think about, you know, really, I I need to get in shape. I I need to physically be a different person. And so I'm going to have to curtail those kind of moments. I'm going to have to watch what I eat. I'm going to have to do away with the spaghetti and the bread and the sugar. I'm going to have to drink more water. Maybe uh, rearrange my sleeping schedule. I need to get to bed at a decent hour. I need to get up at a decent hour. Maybe join a gym, start working out. If you don't have the money to do that, make a commitment three times a week. I'm jogging around my block. I'm going to do three miles, whatever it might be. But so you've got to make some change if you want to be healthy again. And as we think about sin, sometimes we, we, we neglect to slow down and think about that because it's going to cause us to realize I need to do something different in my life. Paul gives us the diagnosis in in, uh, Romans chapter 3, and he gives us the prognosis in Romans chapter 6 and 23, where he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We all have sin. And if we don't embrace the grace of God, it will lead to spiritual and certainly physical death. You and I have a moment to pause here and think about what we've got going on in our life and why we need Jesus Christ as our Savior. The CDC, which is housed in Georgia, the Center for Disease Control, they've got Lots of things that are tucked away in vaults, viruses and bacteria that that if they were to ever get out, it would absolutely demolish the population of this world. They keep those under lock and key, but they also collect data. They understand how viruses work, how bacteria works. Some of that data is interesting. For instance, if you get the Ebola virus, 
The survival rate is 50%. One in two will die that get that virus. This recent winter season, there was a lot of influenza around, a lot of pneumonia. And on average, 4,000 Americans died a week during this last three months of influenza or pneumonia or a combination of the two. And the Bible describes sin like a virus that each and every one of us have. How, how did that virus come into the world? Well, Paul reveal, reveals that in our text in verse 12, Romans chapter 5. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So we understand, you go back and look at the creation story by Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve has sinned in the garden. They did the one thing that God said, don't do. They did that, brought sin into the world, and with that, spiritual and physical death. Sin became a virus that each and every one of God's creation has, has to deal with. But the beauty of the story is by verse 15 in our same chapter, the antidote is revealed to the virus that you and I have called sin. Look at verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through his, this other man, Jesus Christ. Church, that's great news. We've got the antidote to what's going on in our life, the chaos that exists in our life, the guilt that we carry in our life. Jesus Christ is the answer to all of that, and it's a free gift from God. You see, sin can lay you low. It can really knock you down in life. But what we understand through Paul's letter to the Roman church and in Jesus Christ's own ministry is that God's grace is bigger than anything that Satan can throw at you. Whatever you've got going on in your life, whatever you think you've done in the past, whatever guilt you may have, whatever you're running from, understand this, that Satan is a liar. He's the father of all lies. John 8, tells us that. And we can lean into the story of Jesus Christ and know we have forgiveness and embrace the grace of Jesus Christ and know that we are loved. Jesus Christ is absolutely a need and a phenomenal moment for us to realize and wrap our arms around. Paul goes on later in the verse, in chapter, in chapter 5, to remind us of what that grace truly looks like. And no doubt you've got stories in your own life of, of grace moments that you have experienced. I've told this story before, but it's a great one that fits here. When I was a, a young boy, maybe first grade, we were traveling as a family I believe, to a gospel meeting, and we were moving through a town called Boonesboro, Kentucky. It's the home of Daniel Boone. There was a trading post there. This is pre-cell phone. This is pre-Google Maps. My dad uh, had to figure out where he was going, so he pulled into this trading post. He went in to ask for directions. I was with him, and I noticed at the cash register there were these polished, shiny stones. I wanted some of those. They looked real pretty. And asked dad, I said, dad, can I have some of those? He said, no, we're here to get instructions. So he and the owner went to the back of the store, looked at the map. And so I grabbed a handful of those stones because I thought I needed them. Didn't have any money, didn't ask for them, just put them in my pocket. Make a long story short, 
We're headed down the road, maybe 20 miles down the road, and my dad discovers I've taken these rocks from the store. We turn around and head back to that trading post. The whole while, he's reading me the right act. I've got tears coming down my face because I believe I'm going to prison (laughs) as a first grader. I walk up those steps, I walk into the store, I pull the rocks out, I lay them on the counter. Through my tears, I'm apologetic, I ask for forgiveness, I admit my wrong. And the owner says, it took a big man to come in here and admit what you've done wrong. The gifts, the the rocks are a free gift for you. And as we look at our life with Jesus Christ, it's the same exact way. We come with a heavy heart, with tears, and say, I've messed up. And Jesus Christ wraps his arms around you and says, my grace is a free gift for you. That was incredible. (laughs) Perfect timing. Thank you, youth group. Our story continues in verse 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin... Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Church, this is a moment to say hallelujah. This is a moment to acknowledge that God has covered the bridge, that he's brought us in, that he's offered us this free gift that releases us from the bondage of sin. Jesus Christ is an absolute necessary if you and I are going to be in relationship with God. But sometimes when we talk about God, we leave grace out. And when we make a decision to do that, that's called religion. And God's not really part of religion. He wants to have a people who are full of his spirit and full of grace. And we understand by looking at Paul's letter and the life of Jesus that grace is way bigger than any sin that you and I have in our life. You see, religion is our attempt to earn God's favor by adhering to rules and regulations. It's this idea that we can earn God's love when he already loves us. The idea is that, you know, I I can really balance my life. I know I have done some wrong. I know things aren't working out right. But if I just do enough, I can balance the scale by working my way to righteousness. But my rule following is not enough to take care of the sin problem in my life. Only Jesus Christ can conquer that. Only his Holy Spirit can move within me to make me different in my life. And so this morning, I've put together some religion versus grace moments to throw up on the screen for us. 
The idea is, is that like for religion, it's about what you can do in life. If I just go to enough church services, if I pray enough, read my Bible enough, if I do enough things, then I'll be right with God. When grace reminds us that it's already done. Christ took care of that on the cross. Last week we celebrated an empty tomb and now he reigns at the right hand of God. Christ has already done everything that we need to do to earn God's favor. See, religion is about this outward appearance that Kevin was talking about with the apples. So I look right. But grace is about being transformed inwardly in your heart to live differently, to live in the moment of grace. Religion is about rules and regulations. If I just do enough, if I have the checklist and I've got them all down pat, then maybe I'll earn God's favor. But it's really grace telling us that it's about relationship with God the Father. It's this idea that that maybe you'll live in shame of the sin that is in your life. That you can be shamed into living the kind of life that God's called you to live when grace tells us to live a life of gratitude for what Jesus Christ has done for you. That it's an outpouring in every aspect of your life. Religion is about fearing what a God might do to you if you don't get it right. And grace calls us to live in the freedom that Jesus Christ has already established for us. Religion is is about the pride that might come your way if you feel like you've accomplished, or maybe the guilt if you haven't accomplished. When grace reminds us that it's all about the love that Jesus Christ has already offered you and given freely to you. What we understand as we unpack over these next few weeks the the book of Romans and then Jesus' own life is that grace absolutely obliterates religion. That Jesus Christ and his life is something that you and I should reach out and grasp knowing that his love for us is incredible. If you're anything like me, it's really difficult to explain. You have to experience grace in the moment. If you look through the New Testament, what you discover is that Paul uses the word grace some 100 times throughout his writing. Did you know that Jesus never used the word grace in the Gospels? What we discover in the Gospels, though, is the experience of grace in his life, how he interacted with other people, what happened in his life as he came alongside those that that everyone else had cast to the side. And there are any number of stories that we could have pulled out this morning to show that grace that Jesus Christ has revealed. But this morning, I I chose one that most of us are going to know well. If you grew up in church, you've heard this story before. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 3. As Jesus was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. 
A lot of scholars believe that he was actually writing the sins of those who were making the accusation against this one woman. But they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. What was going to be the worst day of this lady's life became her best day ever. Because Jesus was there on the scene. While her secret is out, there is no doubt. Shame, humiliation exist within the community in which she lives. But grace ends up wiping out that shame and humiliation. Because Jesus reached out his hand and he said, don't you understand you're loved? This idea is the same for all of us. Understand that this is not the first time Jesus has met this woman. The Bible tells us that he's known her since she was being knitted together in the womb of her mother. Imagine that for each and every one of you. That Jesus Christ has known you your whole life. And his desire is for you to come into a relationship with him and accept that free gift of grace that he has to offer. In our story, she ends up getting exposed, coming out of the darkness and into the light. She's had this secret, but grace ends up wiping out those secrets. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you've got things going on in your life that you'd just rather keep to yourself. Because so many times we deny the sin that's in our life. We, we deny the things that are going on. We deny the lust that is in our heart. We deny the greed that our heart contains, the pride and self-righteousness. We rationalize all the sin in our life and why it's okay for us to have it. But understand that your secrets are making you sick because sin is a virus. And Jesus Christ is the only antidote. You believe the worst thing that could happen to you is that your secret will be found out. But we discover in the life of Jesus Christ that your sin gets blown away by the grace of God. It gets covered. And when you face your secret, your sin, your shame, you discover this absolute beautiful truth that God's grace trumps everything. No matter where you think you've been, no matter what dark place you used to be, no matter where you were this past weekend or years ago, no matter what you think you have done that would take you away from a relationship with God, Jesus Christ and the grace that he offers will bring you back together. There is nothing big enough in your life to take God's love away from you. Jesus Christ wants to be in that relationship with you. And it doesn't mean when you bring that sin out of the darkness into the light, you have to stand before a big group of people and make that confession. But you do have to face your fear and your secret and your sin and let God's grace handle it. Because church, there is no freedom in life without the grace of God. You and I will constantly be in slavery 
until we accept God's free gift of grace in Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that can make things right and make things new for you and for me. In our story in John chapter 8, what we discover is God's grace towers over the sin in this woman's life, her shame. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and make a fresh start. And this morning, Jesus Christ is calling you to do the same exact thing. He says, embrace me. Go and start something new. Make a fresh start. Jesus does make all things new. Sometimes what I've noticed with some Christ followers that I interact with, that I talk with, is that they've received grace, but they don't live in grace. Sometimes that happens because of church. Oh, I know what you did two or three years ago, and so you really can't participate. Oh, I remember you from high school. You're not fooling me. I know who you are. I remember what happened with you and your family, and how you talk and treat them once you get inside the confines of your house. I know who you are. And the church holds that many times over people. But Jesus reminds us in Psalm 103, I have thrown your sin as far as the east is from the west. Do not listen to the whispers of Satan in your ear telling you that you are not good enough to be a child of God because he's already paid the price for you. He's already bought you with his blood. He's already admonished you and told you, come into the grace that I have to offer. Let me love on you a little bit. You see, Jesus' grace sees us without defect, sees us without problems, sees us without sin. What we discover along the way is that Jesus came more than just to die on the cross. He came to set the captive free. That's you and me. He came to say, listen, there's nothing on earth that can separate you from the love of God. If you've got me in your life, you've got the antidote. No matter how poorly you think you have been in the past, no matter what someone else says about you, no matter what Satan whispers in your ear, you are a child of mine. And I love you. Gave my son for you. And I want to have a relationship with you. So this morning is a call for each and every one of us to embrace this gift, understanding that your sin is no greater than mine, my sin no greater than yours. Every single one of us need the love of God and his grace. All of us need Jesus Christ. And so let's stop judging and pointing fingers and use those fingers to simply wrap around Jesus Christ and pull him into our life, fully surrendering to him, taking a knee at the cross and say, God, I give everything to you. Whatever I've done in the past, I'm not going to carry it anymore. You've said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Jesus Christ, I need rest. I'm tired of hearing what Satan has to say about me, knowing that you've already called me a son and daughter of the Most High God. And so this morning, I'm going to call the praise team back to the stage. And as we sing this song, I want you to think about and consider where you are in that story. Are you ready to leave behind the mistakes that maybe you've made along the way and fully embrace the grace that God has to offer you through his son, Jesus Christ? I don't know if many of you were here, but this morning, we've already had a baptism. Someone publicly saying, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I want to give it all to him, and we can do that again this morning. 
Maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe it's time for you to make that public confession to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I'm tired of living in the world, the chaos that Satan brings to my life. I want to turn everything over to Jesus Christ and surrender to him. Today can be that day where you can fully embrace the grace of God in his son, Jesus Christ, and say, I know that you've loved me. Help me live a life of gratitude, of love for you. Our shepherds are going to be gathered around the wall of this room as we sing this song. And my hope is maybe, maybe for you it's just you need some encouraging prayer. Go find one of our shepherds. Let them pray for you and over you. Let, let them help you in this moment of your journey to realize how much Jesus Christ truly loves you. Let's stand and give him all the praise.